It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Eleven to one, Monday motivation. Motivation. Now, I think we have all been here at some point where we might have had one too many drinks and particularly over the Christmas and then we feel tender the next day. But imagine being at a party in Cork, completely blacking out and then coming to at the beginning of a gig in Galway in a band which you are a member. That's exactly what happened to my next guest. He's a self-confessed alcoholic. He decided to take control, give up the drink and unlock his creativity. Now, bored by the usual gritty, depressing stories about alcoholism in theatre and film, he decided to write his own one-man show which explores alcoholism in a more comical way. The show is called In One Eye, Out The Other and it's going to be performed as part of First Fortnight which is a great initiative challenging mental health issues through creative arts. Actor, writer, comedian, former alcoholic Tyg Hickey joins me on the line. How are you doing, Tyg? Hi, Sinead. How's it going? That was a beautiful intro. I loved it. <laughs> good, good. We're off on the right foot. That's great. Now, you know, I was reading this, right, you know, uh, about yourself, you know, where this th- that I mentioned in the intro there. Uh, yeah. Now, I've been to parties in my youth and, you know, got out of hand here and there, but I've never gone to one in Cork and ended up about to perform a gig in Galway. Like, it, it is funny and I know you can laugh about it and this is kind of what you do, but... Was this your light bulb moment when you thought, actually, guys, this isn't funny anymore. This is serious. What am I at? No, I didn't stop for another few years after that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> like uh, waking up uh, in crazy places stuff is kind of the stuff I'd bring up in interviews when I'm trying to talk about the funnier side of things. Because mm. there were lots of funny uh, elements, of course. But it was a kind of blacking out where, you know, you would have been at work or something. And, you know, I'd often, I was doing live TV and a kid show in, in Cork for RT when I was like, I think in my early 20s. And I would have been drinking kind of chaotically then. So again, I was sporadic. So it wasn't every day, you know, like I was able to hide it quite well because I would go on these kind of sporadic kind of binges and get a, get away with people being on to the full extent of it, I think, because it was, as I say, every now and then. But I was sometimes finished work. And I'd be at home and I'd realise where I had been and what I'd been doing that day because I'd be so intoxicated either for the night before or I would have been drinking that morning. So yes. that's where it starts getting kind of complicated um, so you know, when you've you, actual stuff to be at. 
Yeah. So were you? You so you weren't kind of the the stereotypical, let's say, alcoholic, where the the guy that has to get up in the morning and have a drink before he even starts his day. Were you kind of a party guy, binge drinker kind of type at weekends kind of vibe? Was exactly, it exactly? Exactly. Yeah. And I think this is actually one of the, and there's, there's so many misconceptions about alcoholism mm. as you as you know. But yeah, that's one of the main ones that like you know, unless you're drinking every day or you're drinking with a brown bag on a bridge, then you're not an alcoholic. Mm. Whereas alcoholics come in all sorts of shapes and sizes and it's actually the effect that alcohol have, has on you is the key um, element of whether you're an alcoholic or not. Like there's people that actually drink a little bit every day or every few days and don't have a problem with alcohol at all. It's the effect it has on, on I suppose, on your on your mind, your spirit and your ability to be a functional um, adult really is the kind of key thing. And for me, even though I might, I could drink for two or three days and not drink again for a couple of months. But the effect that those two or three days would have on me would generally be kind of quite radical and, and really destructive. So that's that's what made me initially feel, oh, there's something different. I always felt like my drinking was quite different to my friends, like mm. even from the, the beginning. Yeah, because I want to go back to the beginning just for, for a minute. Do you remember your first drink? Like, were you one of those guys that would have headed off drinking in the fields at the young age with the, with the <laughs> mates kind of, kind of guy? Absolutely. Like my first ever drink was exactly as you as as you describe. It was like junior certain night in Cork. There's a fe- there's a field in Cork called the Lock, a very famous field, and we were out there drinking cans. I was like sixteen, and I just the cider hit my hit my tongue and hit the back of my throat, and I just thought, "Wow, here we go!" Like this was the moment. And again, even that is kind of slightly strange because everyone enjoys their first drink, but mm. my first drink just blew my head off. Like I was like, "Oh my god, this is how I'm always supposed to feel." And I was up on top of my friend's back and he gave me a heady back into the nightclub in town. And I just went from this kind of slightly, ever so slightly kind of nerdy um, kind of guy into this like storming around a nightclub, chatting to women. Um, you know, like the mm. most confident man on earth. Like, And I just thought, I'm definitely going back for more. Yeah, because, you know, even you describe and I have a vivid picture of you even describing that. I can absolutely, you know, picture <laughs> you there. And it is this kind of lovely moment that you're describing. But this is kind of where it all started for you. But when did you decide then, OK, enough is enough, Tig. You're absolutely off the rails here. You need to get a grip of yourself. You need to take back control of your life. When did you decide, right, that's it, alcohol has to go? Well, sadly for me, I mean, it was a long process. I mean, I had a daughter when I was quite young and I, mm. I realised when she came along, I was like, well, I can't, I can't be like this. Like, even if it's sporadic, I can't be like this. And I would have stopped drinking for, I think, pretty much a year or more when she, when she came along. And then towards, I, was, I, was, I went back to college to finish off a degree and in my degree year, I stopped drinking for a few months. When I was 24... I'd, I'd kind of gone back out and there was like really kind of dark periods where I was going missing for days and I wasn't able to continue at work and I lost lots of big work opportunities. Um, so I would have tried to stop from 24 on mm. um, and then I would have been in and out of, of kind of recovery and on and off drink for, for, for years afterwards. And I only hit a kind of a rock bottom, I think, in my early 30s where I was kind of living in a house with a couple of other girls and they, they had kind of successful jobs and they were much younger than me and they were able to kind of like you know they just look after themselves properly and my life was just in bits and yeah I, I just had a period where I don't know I just got I just got sick of being sick really mm-hmm. um, and I found that I was a bit part everything you know like a bit part father bit part friend bit part family member with work obviously like I'd bring projects for a certain level and not be able to finish them off and I found as well, this is just my own experience, like I was blaming people for my drinking, I was mm. blaming other family members, there would be a good bit of alcoholism in my family. And as long as I was blaming others for my drinking, I wasn't actually getting well myself at all. So 
something happened in my early 30s where I just started hanging around with people who wanted to stop drinking and wanted recovery as well and also crucially were, were actually ready to look at themselves because I had to just stop blaming others like I had to just take responsibility for what I was for what I was doing really and that was a kind of a key Oh, it, is, it, it absolutely is in any aspect of, you know, addiction. It, you have to, once you start to look at it and, and take ownership of it yourself, things start to change. So so tell me about the early days of being sober, particularly in Ireland. This has to be really challenging. Yeah, like I have to say like the first proper year, because um, I say I was in and out for a while, but the first proper year of recovery was really tr- was really very challenging because like your friends start treating you quite differently as well. It's kind of like, I mean, there's guys you were drinking heavy with and now you've stopped drinking and then you're a source of suspicion straight away. Like, yeah. you know, you're like, you're gone into the KGB territory there. Like, what is this guy up to? <laughs> and so you get that initially. And then just trying to socialize with people, it's, you know, you probably can do without being in the pub a lot at the start and nobody wants to really do anything in Cork anyway, certainly <laughs> in my social circle outside of a pub, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't many afternoon tea invites. Like that was kind of tough. But um, <clears throat> but you just you have to work your way through it though. So I would like if there was if there was kind of younger people listening or whatever. It, it's not the aim of the game is not to like sit on your hands and and not go out again and and just be not tempted to pull a pint out of someone's hands. The aim of the game is to get comfortable enough in your own skin that you realise that you actually don't really need alcohol at all. Because I think most people are drinking, or certainly. Alcoholics are often drinking to, to quell anxiety. Yes, you know, that's it, a big it, thing. It, yeah, that social awkwardness. So you're just like, I, I don't, I have no real sense of myself. So I just need five or six pints here now, and then I'll storm around the club and I'll be fine. But if you can somehow break that down, you realise that alcohol, in many ways, is just it's actually just holding you back. It's it's really just keeping you stuck. Like you you think it's freeing you, but it's not. That was my experience anyway. I certainly don't want to be preaching to anyone, mm. but. I really felt like life kind of kicked off for me when I when I finally put it down, you know. Yeah, and it really, really did because you're in a successful comedy troupe called Cahoots, which I love the name right. of. And yeah. uh, after this as well, you you decided to go out on your own with this one man show. Um, I've yet to see it, but I've I've seen like little snippets and I've read loads of reviews about this, and it just looks absolutely incredible. It's called In One Eye and Out the Other, and it's about very much your, I suppose, experiences with alcoholism. But it's like nothing we have seen before. Really? Yeah, I'd like I'd like to think so. Anyway, it's <clears throat> I, again I didn't want to go down the preachy road of kind of like here's my story and here's my depressing experience, and um, it just wouldn't be my style really because my own drinking was grim, but it was also very funny and hallucinogenic and it was just mad. So I wanted my show to be a bit like that, and I think hopefully the idea is you get people in and it's kind of like a weird stand-up show really in parts, and hopefully people are laughing, and then there might be one or two kind of serious. Um, notions about alcoholism that's just kind of snuck in but it's by no means kind of front and centre you know because I, I didn't want to make an issue based piece really and also I have no answers to um, alcoholism mm. I just kind of share my own story and, and hopefully my own comedy and people will get something out of that if they come see it that's kind of the aim of the game anyway yeah, because you are very much Fergal the main kind of guy I suppose yeah. in it so tell me about Fergal and tell me about his life Okay, so Fergal um, has had just an unspeakably difficult background. His all his family are alcoholics, like to a man, everyone, grandparents, both sides. Um, he's been brought up in ver- you know terrible deprivation, or whatever, and he's an alcoholic himself. But he's really happy go lucky about it. <laughs> yes. That's the key. That's the key difference. Yeah, he's so <laughs> like he's, he's so upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> he's like impossibly upbeat. So the audience and him are. It's almost like he's kind of. He's lured them into a chat on the street, and that's kind of where the show starts. And um, that he's just this really—he's kind of the guy you you probably avoid on the bus. 
Um, but actually, when you sit down and listen to him, his stories are mad and quite colourful and hopefully quite interesting. They couldn't possibly have happened, you know, so it's mm. kind of this surreal version. I, I was trying to make something with alcoholism that instead of it being gritty, let's take something small that's gritty and then blow it up into this kind of phantasmagorical size that could never have happened. Um, so that's Fergal. And then there, there's probably the guy you're presented with and then there's a the guy behind that character as well. And you kind of get to know him later in the show, which is probably a little bit sadder, but it's by no means a sad no, it's very right. much it's very much uplifting as well. Like, yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. Uh, but did you find it cathartic putting your demons and your problems, which you poke fun at in the show, out there for anyone to see? Was it like a weird form of therapy for you? I did actually, and like even like doing an interview like this is cathartic because it's. I wanted to find a way of saying like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, but but I don't want to pontificate to anyone. But I would like to just say it because if people bump into me, like you know, at a show or something. And it's out there that I'm doing it and they've seen the show and I might be like of some, I don't know, vague assistance to someone, especially mm. like a younger guy, maybe, or girl who's realising that their drinking is different to their friends, then that would be great, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of my way of kind of putting my hand up, I suppose, and saying like, I am, I am this thing and if I can help someone, great, but I also don't want to be preaching or, or becoming a kind of a mental health society, you know? I know, I absolutely understand. You know, but you must have, you definitely had dark days when you were drinking and, you know, maybe you still do here and there as well. But when you might, did, did you ever kind of consider, okay, I, I really want to drink or I might falter here. And how did you get back out of that mindset when you went kind of back into the, the dark kind of side of you again? Well, I have to say a massive help for me with all that kind of stuff has been meditation. And yeah, it's something that I try to, to mention as much as I can because I felt that especially when I started in recovery this time and, and, and actually just you know try to look at myself but my, my mind was just so busy from from drinking like it just felt like you know my mind was just going a mile a minute and meditation I do this type called transcendental meditation which a lot of yeah, we've heard Americans of this, yeah. do and stuff yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but it just suited me because I didn't have to hold hands and burn incense which is just kind of how I thought meditation was yeah. probably through my ignorance Um but it's just so practical that you could do it on a bus and a train. And and it's, I found it so good that I started doing it about four and a half years ago and uh, I've never missed a single session. So there's one in the morning and one in the afternoon. I haven't missed a single session. Like I could get my head around leaving the house without brushing my teeth, but I couldn't leave the house without meditating. Wow, and that's, that's, that's how really... habitual it's, it's become. Yeah, so that that was a huge part. And, and I, of course, have wobbles as, as an alcoholic yeah. and not a... I'm not immune to like being at a social function or whatever when someone puts a drink in front of you. But you just, you do play the tape. Like I just kind of think, yeah, I probably enjoyed this drink right now, but then I'm probably going to wake up on a roof in Newmarket tomorrow morning, like, or I'll be in London or I'll be in Poznan or something, which, which kind of happens. Has happened to you. But, you know, what did you learn about yourself going through this? You must have learned about sort of, you know, your own strength, I suppose. Did it surprise yeah. you? Yeah, that's true. I, I think I learned, and that's, you've hit the nail on the head there, it's actually learning about yourself mm. and taking responsibility for the things, you know, there, there's a kind of a pettiness to my version of alcoholism, there's a grandiosity, there's, I mean, that's looking at the negative just for a moment, but then on the other side of it, like, as there was a guy I used to hang around with who was in the same group as me, like, and when, like, I was drinking with people in Cork, like, some of those people, you know, didn't make it, like, you know, there's, there's friends of mine that, that haven't survived, you know, so that's how grave right, the situation okay. is. Yeah. But but there was a friend of mine who used to always say, you know, like we, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, kind of thing, and that you do, you you know, you do stretch your mind. Like I've gotten through, I've done live TV, 
in a blackout. Like, and I'm not re- recommending that for anyone, but like, you know, I was able to get through things that maybe other people wouldn't because mm. I was kind of stretching my mind what I was capable of all the time. And, and also it's given me such creativity now as well because like the, the stories that were painful when I was going through them now in hindsight are quite funny and I've ended up kind of using some of them to create a show like you know what I mean so it has I, basically what I'm saying in a long run way is I don't really regret anything um, that happened I'm just delighted that I survived and that, that I was able to look at myself and make those kind of changes myself and, and stop blaming others that would be the that's that, that would be the key. Well, listen, yeah. I'm, I'm delighted that you are at the other side of it. I'm delighted that you're creating because you're incredibly you. talented. Your show, In One Eye and Out the Other, is going to be performed all part of First Fortnight, which is such an important initiative. Starting tonight, so you got the little jitters going on, I'd say. Yeah, I'm in the green room here now looking at looking at myself in five different mirrors at the same time. So it's yeah, <laughs> never good after Christmas as well. Day, like, yeah. No, no, it's never good what looking at yourself in five different mirrors. But listen, uh, best of luck with the show. Thank you so thank so you much so for much. being our Monday motivation and taking the time because I know you're extremely busy. Uh, but Ty, no thank you so much for now. We'll say goodbye to you. Thanks a million. Thank you so much for having us. Thank not you. at all. Bye. Not at all. There's Tig Hickey. It's going to be performed. The show, highly recommend this, in Smock Alley Theatre from tonight to 11th of January. It's part of First Fortnight. All details are on smock, smockalley.com or you can also check out all the details as well on firstfortnight.ie. 11 to 1 on LMFM with Gilmore's Kings Court for the largest selection of Mercedes-Benz certified pre-owned vehicles. Your pre-owned Mercedes-Benz is closer than you think at Gilmore's Kings Court. Your local Mercedes-Benz dealer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 